0: Hello and a warm welcome to Translate Stars Podcast, a podcast created by language professionals for language professionals. And we are live. Hi everyone. I'm Roberta, Translate Stars content manager, and I'm here today with Helen Hadley, marketing translator and transcreator. Hi Helen, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm great, thank you.
0: Um, So, we're here today to talk about um, transcreation and how it works. But before we start, please remember to drop your questions in the chat if you want to ask Helen anything. And also, this interview will be recorded so you can catch up on it later. So, are you ready, Helen? Yeah, let's go. Okay, (laughs) so let's get started. Um, First things first, um, how would you um, describe transcreation in a nutshell?
1: um it's quite a tricky question and i think every trans creator has a different idea of um what trans creation is for them and um, but for me it's the coming together of two services um, translation and copywriting um i think trans creation for me is being able to offer both those services and all the benefits that come with them in one pack and i think often we can f- well in my opinion, we confuse the the creation part of transcreation with creativity. But for me, I see the the creation part, obviously you've got to be creative to be a good transcreator, but it's more about the whole strategic branding side of things that we have in transcreation that we don't always have in a normal everyday translation. That's sort of how I would sum up the difference between the two services.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, over time, how did you specialize in transcreation?
1: For, for me, it was kind of a natural um, a natural progression from translator to transcreator, because I decided when I finished my translation studies that I really wanted to specialize in the marketing side of translation. Um, I've always been a really creative person. I've always done writing outside of, as a hobby, really. Um, And so I offered translation and copywriting kind of from the outset, from from the beginning. So it was just sort of something, a package that I started to offer to clients, Um, mostly clients that were trying to branch out beyond, in my case, the Spanish market. And then as time went on, I came to realize that actually what I was offering them was, was trans creation. Um, so yeah, for me, it was sort of a natural progression from marketing translator to, um, trans creator. Um, I do still offer both services, marketing, translation and trans creation. Um, but yeah, that's how it worked out for me. I know it's a different path for everyone.
0: So you discovered that there was a specific word for it even if you were doing this all the way. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that's I think that happens a lot in in the transcreation field because it's kind of it's a service that's shrouded in a lot of mystery, I think still. A lot of people don't really fully understand, you know, what it's about and the differences between translation and transcreation. And I think there's probably a lot of marketing translators out there that are already offering a transcreation service and they haven't really realized it.
0: Yeah, it could be. Um, and how uh, does the transcreation workflow actually work? Like from the brief to the final output.
1: Yeah, that's this is the the workflow is quite a long process and the workflow is dip- Depends on where you come in. Um, what I mean by that is, if you receive a transcreation project from an agency, sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of the work has already been done for you because they will give you the brief, um, because they will—they're the middleman in the whole transaction. So they are able to, you know, come to you with a brief, and you have all that information ready to go and ready to apply to the text um that you that you'll be working on but if you're working with a direct client it tends to be a much more complex process um especially if the client doesn't really have any idea how the whole transcreation process works and you kind of have to guide the client from from the beginning and sometimes you have to kind of pull the information out of them for for the brief as opposed to being presented with the brief um when I first started doing transcreation projects, I did work a lot more with agencies than I do now. Um, and I think that was really helpful in terms of being able to get to grips with what a good transcreation booth needs to include. Because sometimes, if your if a client comes to you with a transcreation request, um, they don't really understand how the process works, it can be quite tricky. Um, It can can be quite difficult to know exactly what it is, the information that you need from them in order to produce a good text. So, yeah.
0: But in general, what kind of information does a good brief have in it?
1: So it's kind of, um, if there are any copywriters um, tuning in, it's very similar to the whole strategic branding process that happens. in, in a marketing project. So you need to know um, who their target audience is, um, what specific, what what message they wanna get out there. Um, basically, you need to know everything there is to know about their brand and their messaging and their target audiences and the countries, in, in our case with transcreation, that they're wanting to target um, in order to be able to create a message that's going to have the same impact as, you know, their original message in their in their source language, um, such so as things like, and there can be things that are very nuances that you have to be able to pick up on, in order to be able to create that same um, that same rapport with audiences in other countries. Um, so, so yeah. For me, the brief is the most difficult part of the transcreation process, because I think it's the most time consuming. Um, Once you have all that information, and you can, you know, and you can get your head around it, then the actual writing process is, is a lot easier. But the extracting that information and trying to wrap your head around exactly what the client wants is quite a long and complex process.
0: Yeah, uh, sounds like psychology <laughs> a little bit to me.
1: Yeah, kind there's, of.
0: There's a thing to it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's useful. I wouldn't say it's nece- I wouldn't say it's like compulsory, but I think it's useful if you do have some kind of background in marketing. Um, that wasn't the case for me, but since I've I've focused more of my my services on transcreation I have taken a few marketing courses that i found to be really useful in terms of you know trying to the, to get my head around the whole psychology of marketing like you said um because yeah you do sometimes have to think outside outside the box
0: <laughs> and um, spoiler alert, um, Helen will give more advice during her expert course on transcreation. Um, I'll drop the link in the chat. And um, this is your chance to sign up because it starts on the 22nd of May, I think. And so if you have any questions about the course, and this is also your chance to um, ask Helen. And I see that we have a comment from Abraham that says transcreation could definitely be a long and kind of tricky process but fun nonetheless. Is it funny for you?
1: Yeah, I think, it, I think that's why I like it so much. I think it's, it is really fun because you get to play around with words. Um, I suppose it depends on the projects. There are projects
0: <laughs> on there and on the client. <laughs> yeah,
1: there are projects that have been really fun and then there are other projects that, you know, just blow your mind. because it's sometimes it's really difficult to come up with text that will work for the client bearing in mind all of the things that you've got in the brief um but yeah i would say even though it's tricky most of the time it is really fun because you get to play around with
0: words and messaging and yeah also maybe the tone of voice because it's something that it's really related to the brand I don't know if you can expand on what the tone of voice is
1: yeah so the the tone of voice is is super important um, because there are some a lot of new companies new tech companies like to use this whole kind of like colloquial language um but there are other companies that that would prefer a more formal tone So, yeah, that is something that you do have to be really conscious of when you're creating and when you're trans creating the text, because I think with tone of voice, if you don't get it right, then you're not going to hit the right audience. Um, You're not going to capture the attention of the audience that your client is looking for. So, yeah, I think I think it is really important. And also within that colloquial tone of voice, I think there are different different levels of colloquial tone you know you can't sometimes you can't take it too far because you can't have a branding campaign or maybe some companies don't want a campaign that sounds like you're talking to your friend whereas others do um so yeah those are the kinds of things where i think you have to have you know a really open communication with the client and maybe um send them a few samples uh, while you're working on on the transcreation and say i've come up with this how does this sound and get some feedback along the way um that's something that i usually do and it helps a lot in terms of time saving
0: um and um that's a question for me uh do you include a uh, reverse translation so they know what you're talking about because i think that this is essential no
1: yeah yeah, what you have to do is, um, I'll talk more about this in the course, um, but obviously, most of the time, your, your client is not going to understand the language that the, that you're transcreating into. So you have to include, um, even if it's, normally it's very a very literal translation, which is quite difficult for somebody who's a translator to include, but you, you have to include a literal translation um, when you return the transcreation to them. So that they're aware of what their messaging is saying, um, how that standard practice. However, I have had cases where, if I've done work for bigger companies, they say that that's not necessary because sometimes they have someone on the team who speaks enough English to understand, you know, what the what the text is saying. Um, and another thing that you that I also include as um, in my quote, and when I'm explaining to the client how the process works, is um, a number of changes. Because obviously, um, not every client is going to like the first transcreation that you come up with. Um, In fact, it happens quite often that you send something in and they say, I don't like this. Um, Is there any way that we could make some changes? So it's always useful to quote, including a maximum of two changes is my standard what I usually include um and that way you know you're not going to have any issues in terms of having to spend more time than you first anticipated on a project or losing money essentially because you know not because you've done a bad transcreation it's just that they haven't liked the way that you've worded it um Mm -hmm. so that's another thing that's always useful to include when you're quoting for transcreation but as I say I'll explain more about that in the course because it's quite <laughs> like complex.
0: Yeah and that's really wise and um, we have a question from Sonia she asks what techniques are most commonly used in transcreation like word games metaphors anything else?
1: Um, That's a really good question actually I don't really think there are any rules when it comes to for transcreation, I think you can do whatever you want, as long as um, you stick to the brief. So you can use metaphors, you can use word games, you can use word play. Um, in fact, I think the more creative devices you use, the better um, normally. Um, so I don't really think that there are there's a limit to the techniques you can use I wouldn't say that I use any specific ones on a regular basis, but you do in branding in general and in messaging, see a lot of metaphors and a lot of word play. Um, anything that you know is going to get the, the target audience interested in what you're trying to say. I think that's one of the things that I like about it is that there aren't really any rules when it comes to to what you can do with the language. Um, It's kind of yours to play around with.
0: Um, Now, I have a question, and it's a tricky one, so get ready. Um, Do you remember your first transcreation assignment?
1: Yes, I do. I do, (laughs) because I actually still work with that client. Um, Really? Yeah. Um, It was a... Getting back to what we were talking about earlier, about how... I realized I was offering transcreation but I didn't realize it and um, it was kind of one of those experiences and um, I'm based in Spain and a natural cosmetics company got in touch with me to ask me to help with their with the translation of their website um, with the translation of the copy for their website um, and I had this meeting with them I remember it very clearly and I remember they started asking me a lot of questions about do you think this will work in the UK? What kind of things do you think we need to be saying Um, because we're not going to include this product and we're not going to include this product because we don't think it will sell and I realised that in fact what they were looking for was transcreation so um, after a few meetings with them we put together a brief and yeah, I trans-created the copy for their website, which now sells products both in Spain and in the UK. Um, I think Europe-wide actually. And they do really well. They have a lot of foreign customers and every time they bring the new product to market, they ask me to transcreate their product description. So so yeah, my 1st transcreation project was a big success and also really fun. It's a, uh, an area that I really like to work with. So
0: yeah. Um, um, and did you have any I don't know traumatic experiences? Because this is such a good one. Um, let's talk about the dark side <laughs> and Yeah,
1: I'm yeah. There, there, <laughs> ha- there have been there have been moments where you think, oh, I'm not sure if this is for me. Um, I can. There's, there's been a few times where it's been really tricky to. I've never had a really bad experience with an agency and I think that's probably because the the client is dealing with the agency and not with you directly so any issues that I've had have always been dealt with by the agency but yeah I think one client I had um, found it really difficult to wrap their head around the whole transcreation concept and we had i tried to explain to them how it would work and why it was better for them than than translation um, and and yeah i think i don't know how many changes i had to do to the transcreation i think maybe like eight or nine and um, they paid me for them which is the most important thing but yeah i i remember i remember sending the text in and then telling me it was nothing like the original And I said, well, no, that's the idea. It should be different from the original. (laughs) That's the the whole point. (laughs) Yeah, the idea is that it connects with your audience in, I think this one was for the US, in the US. Um, But yeah, they just couldn't wrap their head around it. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that they didn't have anybody else on the team that spoke English. So I think they felt quite lost in terms of, even though, I spoke to them in Spanish and, you know, that we didn't have any communication problems. I just think they were very unsure about the whole process, which made life very stressful for me.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And um, how would you approach a direct client um, that doesn't know what transcreation is, but needs it desperately, but from the beginning, let's say, not in the middle, but from the beginning.
1: Yeah, I think over the years, I've realized that you have to invest quite a lot of time in trying to educate the client as to exactly what transcreation is. Um, And the way I normally go about it nowadays is I organize a few preliminary meetings with them before we even get started on putting together a brief. Um, to kind of get to know the company or the client, if it's you know a one-person company, um, and give them a few examples. I think examples are always the best way to go, um, and I found in a recent experience that that worked really well by showing them you know examples in their language of translation versus transcreation. Um, a lot of clients also like numbers. Um so, you know, if you tell them that you work with a client who has made X number of sales, thanks to, you know, the transcreation work that you did on their website, that's something that also pulls them in. Um, and also explaining to them why just just translation isn't going to work for them, or it might limit their ability to grow. Um, As I say, examples, I would go with examples because sometimes the concepts we as trans creators or translators, we understand what they mean. But sometimes for people who have never, you know, even had something translated for their company, they find it really difficult to get their head around. So, yeah, my answer would be examples and take the time to sit down with them for a couple of hours. Before you get started on the whole process, mm-hmm.
0: and do you quote those meetings? Yep. Okay. Normally, so yeah. you quote them afterwards, or because they are like discovery calls, or do you? Yeah. Them?
1: So, so what I normally offer is I offer like a twenty minute, twenty minute discovery call for free, um, to explain to them very briefly what services I offer and why I think the transcreation could work for them. And then if they're interested, then I offer them the chance to meet with me for either 90 minutes, sometimes that's a bit too long for a company. Sometimes they'd rather split it into two 45 minute sessions. Um, And then I charge them for that. Um, And normally I do that before we start the transcreation process because I I give them a lot of information in that meeting um, that's useful for them, even if they don't go ahead with the transcreation process. Um, So yeah, that's the way that's the way it normally works. And then once they give me the text that they want to transcreate, then I'll formulate another quote that includes, you know, the whole transcreation process from the brief to the final output.
0: Okay, so I guess we answered this question from Aisha. How can we explain the process of transcreation to clients who do not talk the target language? So you said examples, numbers, and something like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it
1: can be difficult. Um, to be honest, I think including the, the reverse translation that we talked about earlier is essential when you have clients who don't speak the target language um and yeah examples and numbers i think that's the most you can do really
0: can you believe that my dog opened the window (laughs) by yourself (laughs) okay back to transcreation we have a question from abraham that asks helen do you how do you keep up with all these new colloquialism that seem to emerge by the minute, especially when working with a brand that wants to stay relevant with a specific audience, uh, like teenagers?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, because I think this is something that's really important to keep up with if you want to specialize in creation. I try to keep really up to date with um, current affairs, with the news, and also Twitter is a really good place to find information about things like colloquialisms that pop up um, and to kind of stay on top of all this new language that that comes out. Social media um, is a great tool for trans creators, in my opinion, anyway, to to keep up to date with everything that's happening um, with different generations. Um, But yeah, I think think that's a really good question, actually, Abraham, because... It's one of the things that I was going to mention as a tip to, um, to, to become a better trans creator is to keep up with everything that's happening in the world and colloquialisms and language. The, the evolution of language is a really important thing that you need to keep on top of.
0: So two things. One, I imagine you'd mentioned TikTok. I don't know why. I, I wasn't thinking a lot about Twitter, maybe because it's dying. <laughs>
1: i don't know that's probably it's probably because of my age (laughs) (laughs) i'm not really a big TikTok user but i do follow a few people on twitter who talk a lot about um i'll mention them in the course actually because they're quite a useful source of information about things like language evolution and and words that are being used in certain languages um But yeah, I'm not a big TikTok user, otherwise I might have said that one.
0: Well, you're not missing much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler. Um, And Abraham just ruined my next question, which is what are your most valuable tips and tricks to become a better trans creator? So we said language, keeping up with the language, evolution. And?
1: And I would say keeping up with the news because... um, Sometimes there have been cases, if you type into Google um, trans creation bad examples, I'm sure you'll find a few. Um, sometimes you can use words without realising that can be offensive because of something, because of a recent event that's happened. Or something that is maybe not offensive, but that can hit, you know, hit a nerve. Um, so it's important to keep up with the news so that you don't get yourself into hot water and don't find yourself, you know, annoying the client or annoying worse, annoying their target audience, um, rather than, um, you know, encourage them to buy the, the product or the service that they're trying to sell. And another thing I would say, which is a bit of a different kind of a tip, is try and do something creative in your free time. Um, because at the end of the day, to do this kind of work, you do have to have quite a creative mind um, so I would recommend starting a creative hobby if you don't already have one something like I don't know um, pottery or um, I tried pottery for a while um, or dance I know there are a lot of trans creators that I think um, Delfina who's another big trans creator I think she recommends dancing for trans trans creators. I don't know, something that gets your creative juices flowing, even something like reading, um, reading fiction, um, but just something that takes your mind into a creative space. um, I think is really, really useful in terms of coming up with texts that really connect with people.
0: Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about creativity, but you answered. (laughs) Um, We have a question from Gianfranco. Um, Hello, Helen. What would you consider to be the new challenges for trans creators with the rise of certain social media platforms? It's linked to something we talked about before. Maybe you can expand on the challenging part.
1: I think I think what's challenging for trans creators at the moment is that there that there's so there's so much messaging out there um, that it's more and more difficult to come up with messaging you know that, that connects with with audiences because we have all this you know we have all these social media platforms available to us twenty four seven that can get a message across in so many, you know, creative and funny ways. But sometimes, sometimes I think to myself, will this, you know, one line headline do the same job as these two girls dancing on TikTok with different, you know, with different words on pieces of, of card? So I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the a big challenge for trans creators, trying to, Make trying to create texts that are as original as the content that these social media platforms are creating—you know, round the clock, nonstop. Um, I think that's a big challenge.
0: We have another question from Irina. Hello, Helen. I have the following question: Have you tried using ChatGPT for transcreation tasks? And if yes, do you find it helpful or not?
1: Oh. We've, we've we've got a chat GPT question <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course
1: <laughs> I haven't actually tried chat GPT however colleagues that I know who have given it a try for certain things um, have told me that it's very literal um and that for things like transcreation it's it's not really you know it doesn't it doesn't really give you any kind of an advantage Um, because at the end of the day, we're coming up with texts. It's not like translation where you have an original text and then you're going to translate it using maybe not the same words, but more or less the same words here that the messaging could be completely different. So in the case of transcreation, I don't really think, um, from what I've heard, um, I don't really think chat GPT, um, can be used for, for, for transcreation um and yeah i haven't tried it myself yet. i'm a bit i'm not i'm not too keen on the idea of chat gpt but i know that we had something that we have to get familiar with are you scared are you scared
0: about it
1: no i no, it's not something that scares me um i think the thing about chat gpt for me is trying to explain to people why it's still not as good as a human translator that's been my biggest headache over the past well since it was released i can't remember when it was released um you know and some people don't understand the difference um so i think that's the biggest headache but no i mean it has its uses and i think all translators we need to get comfortable with using these tools and finding ways for them to help us rather than them being some kind of you know evil
0: Evil of thing for some ourselves.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so if we have no more question, I have a the la- I think the last one, um, which is um what will our students learn in your upcoming expert course in transcreation and um what makes it so special?
1: Okay, so I think I think I mentioned this back at the beginning. I think transcreation is something that's still like quite a mysterious service. Um, There's a lot of people that don't understand what it is. There's a lot of people who think it's just the same as marketing translation. Um, And there aren't really a lot of resources out there to help translators to wrap their head around what it is, number one, and number two, kind of equip themselves with the knowledge and the tools to become trans creators themselves. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to achieve through this course from what I'm looking to offer is kind of a step by step guide from the process from translator to trans creator, because I don't really think there's anything else out there at the moment. Um, and yeah just basically to make the whole trans creation service more accessible for translators out there and to help people realize that it's not as tricky and you know exclusive as it might seem because i think that's the image that a lot of us have at the moment that it's kind of this special super expensive service that's reserved for like two or three people in the sector when i think there's room for a lot more people and i think if we you know if we had a lot more trans creators then in different language combinations then we could help out a lot more a lot more clients and a lot more companies
0: um we have a question from Upeka, i think um what makes transcreation creation different from trans uh, translation for marketing
1: i think it all comes down to the brief um i think the big difference for me in my experience is, first of all, with translation for marketing, um, you're given a text. And yes, often the, the client will tell you that you have you know, room, room to be creative. But it's not a free pass. What I mean by that is you can't do whatever you want. You still have to kind of stick to the original translation in some way and most of the time you don't really have any access to what we were talking about earlier the whole strategic branding process and you don't really have a lot of insight into all of that Um, and that's the big difference for me I think with transcreation you can create something from zero Um, but what what you're trying to achieve is you're trying to create the same the same effect, the same emotions in the target audience as in, as with the original text, but maybe using completely different concepts and completely different words. Um, That's the big difference for me. I think it's the insight, um, the insight into the brand and also the amount of creative license that you have with the text.
0: And we have one last comment from Abraham. Um, I've always believed that transcreation not only bridges the language gap, but also the gap between generations, especially now that many users coexist in a cyber environment. What do you think about the uh, generational gap in transcreation? Is it something that you think about often when you transcreate?
1: I wouldn't say so, especially because often with the brief, um, I'm told to target a specific generation um, or more generation specific age group. Um, But I kind of understand what Abraham means from the cyber environment point of view. I think it depends on the text, maybe um, whether the text being used online um, or offline, because there are cases where, you know, you can be creating a headline for a billboard or something like that. but yeah, I wouldn't say that the generation gap is something that I've thought about, but it's it's certainly you know a good point.
0: Okay. And I think that this was the last comment that we have. So thank you so much, Helen, for thank your you. time and your precious advice. And thanks to our audience. And if you want to keep on learning, please check Helen's course and if you like this free interview please consider offering us a cup of coffee uh, using the link that we posted in the chat and um, thanks everyone and have a very very nice evening see you soon Bye. bye bye